welcome to another episode. So we got uh, we got Shababi and Sean here. Uh, so just real quick, we have to talk about March Madness, obviously, because it's in full swing now. So uh, Sean, since you're the Gonzaga grad, just really quick, give us, is Gonzaga going all the way or what's what, what do you see happening? Got to say, I think they're going all the way. Uh, you know, I think there's a couple of spots where I'm worried. I'm worried about having a few teams in our bracket that we've already seen because sometimes a second look, a good team like Iowa could, you know, give us a run, especially with a good player like Garza. Um, you know, if we ended up getting to the final, I, I could see it being Illinois and, you know, they have some some good bigs and, and that's where we've struggled. So, you know, I worry. I think there's a few spots where we're going to be in a tough game and and I think we, we have the depth to eke it out, but, you know, you don't know until you get there. Yeah. Uh, and John, I know me and you are kind of on the same page where we don't follow college basketball too closely until until March. But any uh, teams or players that you've got to see in the past couple of days that you liked? Well, there's one guy I have my eye on and uh, he plays for Ohio. So Ohio is the 13th seed and they're playing Virginia, which is the fourth seed. And his name is Jason Preston. So he's been putting up uh, pretty good, solid numbers. He fills the stat sheet. He's a three level scorer. And uh, he's also plays well against good competition. So earlier in the season, he had played against the one seed Illinois and he put up over 31 points, eight assists and six rebounds. So I want to keep my eye on him because I got Ohio uh, upsetting Virginia. Okay. And we've seen Virginia get upset recent in recent memory. They either win the championship or lose to a, <laughs> to a way lower seed. Yeah. But uh, okay, let's go. So now to the NBA, um, we can go through some of the trades that happened recently. So I think we could start with PJ Tucker going to Milwaukee because that's probably the, you know, the biggest move or most impactful. So we can start with you, Sean. What do you think about PJ Tucker going there? Does that, you know, does that change where uh, the Bucks are in your like, power rankings? I don't know. I don't know if it does. It'll be interesting to see. I think even if you know he's 36, I think he has a lot of hard miles on him, especially playing a small ball center for all those years and. But at the same time, you know, he does bring an edge that I think sometimes Milwaukee, I don't know if they lack that, but someone who really just feels like you're in every game. Um, I know Giannis, you know, can he can have that kind of go in attitude on you, but it seems like it can, you know, wax and wane sometimes. So I think even just the mentality he brings will be great. And other, you know, past that, I think anything he adds on the court is probably a bonus. But, you know, in the playoffs, having a, a guy who's willing to go fight, especially against a team like Philly that has some big bigs, you know, sorry, big bigs, good bigs. And, you know, I guess Brooklyn with the Harden connection, I wonder whether he'll have a little bit of a edge of wanting to give something back to Harden. So I think it could, you know, I think he'll add some value at some point. Um, I'd rather have him than not as the Bucks, especially thinking that another team like Brooklyn might have been able to to get him. Yeah, I'm thinking it from the Rockets point of view. And I'm trying to understand like what they got back in the package. So they got DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson, and some pick swaps. So essentially, like they've taken their first round pick from Milwaukee and they're pushing it back to 2023. So is are the Rockets really assuming that the Milwaukee is going to be bad in 2023? I think they have Giannis under contract during that time. So I don't know. I think they're still going to be a good team. So for the Rockets, I don't think they got a really a good haul for PJ Tucker. I know PJ Tucker is more on the downside of his career because he's getting older, but I really think the Bucks have won this trade, and especially since what uh, Mike Budenholzer is trying to implement for the Bucks, they're trying to switch more on defense. 
So when you think about switchable players, uh, good defensive players that can guard any position, P.J. Tucker always comes into mind. He's always been playing that small ball center role. And, you know, he takes his pride out on defense. So I, I see this as a win for the Bucs. It's a it's a small move. It's not going to like change the whole culture or make them like a world beater or anything like that. But one thing that the Bucks have been averaged this year on is defense. So I see it as a defensive upgrade. And if PJ Tucker can up his percentages from the three point line, that'd be just a icing on the cake, basically. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Like I think uh, it doesn't make them the favorite in the East, but it just makes them a lot more versatile on defense, especially because I was worried about. Brooke Lopez hasn't looked good at all this year. So I was thinking like in the playoffs, he might get played off the court. And now you have PJ Tucker who can kind of be a center on defense at least. And then in theory, he should be able to hit threes. And it's like, it really is just a question is, is he washed this year or is he just, you know, his motivation level is zero because he was on Houston with no Harden and just like, no, you know, Houston's the weirdest team in the league right now. I think they're at what, like 19 straight losses. So, you know, hard for a guy like him to, he also wasn't happy with you know the contract situation, so I could totally see him getting to Milwaukee and just being back to you know what we saw a couple of years ago, where he was just basically like a legit center on defense and was also hitting you know every corner three he took. I do feel like you know you just never know where situationally a guy is just going to get you out of a game that you need mm-hmm. either down the stretch or onto the playoffs or or in the playoffs, right? It's even if he shows up big for one game and just brings that versatility, that may be all you need in you know in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And it also does just add to the the drama of a potential uh, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, uh, Eastern finals. Cause yeah, like you, I think Sean, you mentioned it, the uh, Harden connection also D'Antoni still has a lot of influence on what the Nets do on offense. So, yeah. you know, PJ Tucker has some, some insider info there and it would be fun to see him, you know, I'm sure he'll get switched on to Harden of, you know, his fair uh, amount of possession. So that'll be fun too. Um but also, yeah, just weird. Like the Rockets really got nothing back because of that pick swap. So uh, it's really like a Milwaukee first round pick is a super late first round pick and a Houston second round pick is going to be a super early second round pick. So it's like yeah. six spots, maybe different. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe DJ Wilson, like they have hope that he could become a, a you know an actual player, but we haven't seen it yet. So yeah, just a win. It seems like a win all around for uh for Milwaukee, at least. Yeah, and a, another thing is DJ Augustine doesn't make sense for the Rockets because he's an older point guard. Yeah. What do they want to do? Rebuild. And they already have John Wall there, so it really yeah. doesn't make sense. I wonder whether they try and but I don't know what his contract is like, though, if he has multiple years left on it or what, or if he's just on a vet minimum. Like, is he... I could see them... I could see him wanting to land somewhere else to, you know... he do, Yeah, he doesn't fit for their timeline, and I, I feel like he's respected around the league as, you know... Mm-hmm maybe a third guard, just a right. guy to fill some minutes and like teams will need that. The Rockets yeah. certainly don't. Yeah. The Rockets are probably the worst fit for him. And yeah, like, so they have John Wall and then they also have Kevin Porter Jr. Who's playing point guard now. So I don't know what Augustine is doing there, but yeah, hopefully I feel like he could help out like a, you know, mid-level team just scoring off the bench. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ryan but, round out the rotation a little. Yeah. Um, okay. So this this move kind of came out of nowhere, but Trevor Ariza, I feel like we all forgot about him just because we haven't seen him since pre-bubble last year because he opted out. But so he goes to Miami. Of course, speaking of a change of scenery, Trevor Ariza going to Miami means he's probably going to actually end up playing minutes. But uh, John, what do you think about Ariza going to Miami? Do you think he has anything left or is he, you think he's over the hill? 
I think he has something to bring to the table. You know, he has championship experience with his days with the Lakers. Uh, you know, you know what you're expecting out of him. Just a three and D player. Don't ask too much from him. If he can hit a couple threes a game, that's all you need basically for the Heat. Because uh, the Heat need more versatility in that power forward spot. They need more depth behind the Linux. And it's essentially a pretty good trade for them because they're getting rid of Myers Leonard, who has basically caused himself to be a cancer on that team with yeah. the anti-Semitic uh, slurs that he made over playing Call of Duty. So they wanted to get him out of that situation, bring in Ariza. Whatever you get from him is a plus. That's what. That's how I see it. Yeah, I feel about the same. I mean, I think I was interested to see how they were going to handle that the Myers Leonard thing because seems like they liked him in one vein. It's just it seemed like he was just like a head down worker type. But you know, once that came out, it just you know, a fringe guy like that, you, you knew they were going to try and find something. So for them, it, I think it's a win in terms of they move off of that guy. They get a, a consummate pro. They don't need much out of him, but you kind of know what you're getting, and you know. When he was in Portland before the bubble last year, he looked pretty good. And that was, you know, mostly based on minutes. But at the like John said, ultimately, if you don't expect too much out of him, whatever you get is a bonus. And it really just kind of is another guy in your locker room that I think just fits what the Heat are trying to do. And I, I think they, more than a lot of teams, they want their guys in lockstep and everybody pushing in the same direction and even guys from the bench. And I think he adds to that. And just when it, you know, comes down to it, just probably a good personnel move and for them to just move off a of Leonard. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he should be able to help replace what Jay Crowder was for them last year. Um, I, I had to, I'm looking at Ariza's basketball reference. I didn't realize he was actually playing over 30 minutes a game for Portland last year and yeah, solid numbers, like 40% from three, 11 points. Like obviously Trevor reason knows his role. You know, he's not like, yeah, he's not going to be a problem there. Right. So yeah, it's just a, of course just goes perfectly with what you'd expect from the heat to make a move like that, where any other contender could have had a reason. It sounds like for nothing, like what did, so what did uh, Oklahoma city got like a second round pick or something else? Yeah, second round pick. People were making fun of it saying like, it's a future second round pick. So uh, Myers Leonard got traded for the kid that sniped him on call of duty. Or something like <laughs> yeah. <that. So. laughs> oh my God. That you being that kid being, yeah. I saw some meme like, what, well, like you just, you couldn't even imagine what you were doing with that shot in Call of Duty, right? Like, oh my it god, ended this man's career. <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's that's crazy. Great. I feel like he might not ever play in the NBA again now because he's Dude, out some, for this whole year. Like, the Thunder people probably... are saying that, that yeah. he's going to get bought out, and then no one's going to pick him up because some of the owners in the NBA are Jewish. Yeah, yeah. I think the Heat owner is Jewish, so that makes sense. Yeah, that he's like, years and yeah, yeah. Um, and he's not like he's not a good enough player anymore to you know, like outweigh the, the baggage that will come with that. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, he, he was one of the guys that wasn't kneeling during the anthem and obviously mm-hmm. his choice. I know is like family's all military. I feel like a lot of people were just kind of leaving that to be his thing. Like, Oh, that's his thing. But as soon as I feel like once you have a couple of things that are going to be deemed questionable based on the way the league is, you just, he, yeah. it's not worth, it's not worth the squeeze to bring them in you're just there's better guys out there that you don't have to worry about for the end of the bench exactly um okay so those are the two guys who got traded was there any other actual trades that already happened that that i missed i think there were some there were some a few small ones uh, i feel like it was yeah tory craig where did he go again he went to phoenix Phoenix. which that like sounds like a solid move but at the same time 
he also wasn't playing at all for Milwaukee. So I don't know. Like I thought that was a good move, or, you know, a pretty good under the radar move in the offseason, but I don't know if he was just injured or what. But if he can't if he couldn't help Milwaukee, I don't know why he helps Phoenix anymore. Yeah, I mean for the Nuggets last year, he played a, a good defensive role for them. He's mm-hmm. basically like another three and D player. It's pretty interchangeable. So you want to always have depth for those type of players on your team, just in case someone gets injured. That's yeah, true. yeah. Because I mean, the Suns have like he's like insurance for it's like Macau Bridges, Crowder, and Cam Johnson, and now it's just yeah. another guy who, yeah, solid guy, veteran. You know, he's been he's been in the playoffs. Also, uh, it was Tory Craig who missed that layup that led to the Mike Conley barely missed three in Game Seven of the first round. <laughs> so he's oh, like one of the luckiest players in the league that that Mike Conley shot didn't go in. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that being him. Yeah, it seems like uh, Milwaukee's getting rid of all their free agent signings because I I believe they signed DJ Augustine in the off season and they signed Tory Craig as well. So those signings are not working out. <laughs> yeah, Bobby Porter. He's the only whatever one. deadline that is where you're allowed to trade guys after you sign them and they're like, okay, let's dump <laughs> these guys. It's not like, working. This didn't work, yeah. so let's just. Yeah. I guess it. It's better than them trying to make it work. Like they're like, oh, okay, uh, Augustine didn't work, so we'll just flip him into PJ Tucker. Yeah, actually, if you yeah. look at it that way, it's yeah, pretty smart. Um, okay, so let's go to two guys who there's a lot of speculation on either a trade or a buyout. Um, so we can start with the Marcus Aldridge. Uh, he hasn't got bought out officially yet, right? He's just not playing for the Spurs anymore. I think they're they're trying to work on a solution. I don't know if that means they're trying to find some trade where a team brings him in. But I feel, at least I think, it seems like a lot of teams might want to wait for him to just get bought out, right? If that's what it where it ends up landing. Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, Sean. Do you do you think there's any you know, like ideal landing spots for him or like a team that you'd prefer to see him go to? I don't know. I uh, I've been interested to see, but I don't know if I've thought about it too much. I mean, part of me. Being a somewhat like in the Blazers, I thought it would be interesting to see him go back to Portland as just another guy who is more skilled. But I don't know if they need him there, really. Um, there's probably other spots maybe where he's going to add a little bit more. Um, but I could see him having an interest in going back, especially if the money's right. I don't think Portland can afford much for him. It would have to be at a low number. But you know, if he feels like Portland could make a run, maybe. I don't know. But... Uh, I, I do feel like there's probably other teams that are going to give him more of a role if that's what he's looking for. Yeah. Yeah. John, do you have any uh, ideal landing places for Aldridge? Yeah. I was thinking that uh, Portland seems like the most logical fit. Uh, he's always said in his interviews that he wants to end his career in Portland. He probably doesn't like how things ended when uh, Dame was kind of emerging as a star. Mm-hmm. When LaMarcus used to be the number one guy there, he kind of got pushed out there. I think him and uh, Dame Lillard have, mended their relationship a bit and you also have to think that like this guy's getting close to 36 35 years old how much longer does he want to keep playing um is could it be this his last year or next year his last year he signs a short contract with portland when they're contending it just seems like a, a better fit there as well as you always have zach collin who's injured in that four or five spot uh aldridge can just slide right in there and take his minutes yeah yeah, yeah. Zachon's always injured, it seems like, so it would be <laughs> such a disappointment for me as a Zags fan. But, I, you know, 
I don't. Still, I yeah. think ten was high for him. Uh, I think. I think they thought it was a fit, but the injuries are bad. Yeah. But yeah, Aldridge. You know, it's interesting, kind of you're saying about him being pushed out of Portland and um, Dame ascending and kind of the way it ended, right? Because you know, hopefully Aldridge can look at it now and be like, "Wow, like Dame is Dame is Dame as we know him now, and he will be probably Mister Trailblazer by the end of his career, especially if he stays like it seems like he wants to." So maybe Aldridge can look back at it now a little bit and be like, "Okay, I was being pushed out, but it was for this." you know, really top-notch guy. And now I can be a part of kind of his prime in a market and a team that he obviously, I think, cares about and has a real connection to. Yeah. Yeah. All of your points, yeah, they make sense because I feel like Aldridge has kind of humbled himself and taken a step back and sees the bigger picture. And he just wants it to be right. And it seems like a a good fit for them because they could use uh, big man help. So Yeah. Yeah. I like Portland as a as a landing spot as long as right they can like get over however it ended last time um which is which was six years ago now which is kind of crazy um yeah but yeah it really just yeah it does depend on what aldridge wants like does he still want to you know get like have a somewhat large role or is he just trying to help help a team win now because i don't think like i don't think the top top contenders would really be interested like do you think the lakers or clippers would really even need him i don't I don't think he really fits with either of them. I would say, uh, you know, the Lakers have been in a bar, uh, in the market for a big man. Like, they've been linked to Drummond. Mm-hmm. So, they want to add another big because they lost they, uh, Dwight and JaVel. So. Yeah. I think they've, they've been, been hurting down low that. compared to last year. Yeah. Like, in that role, though, like a just a, a role man, not like a – like, Aldridge is kind of just a a worse version of Harrell at this point. You know, they need well, like – not really. I mean, they kind of have different games. Like uh, Montrez Harrell is not a mid-range shooter or a three-point yeah. shooter at all. Aldridge made his money from the mid-range, and he has developed into a league average three-point shooter. So they both bring different things to the table. Um, yeah. 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 I, I agree. Yeah, I think he that kind of mid-range jumper, being able to space, set good screens and stuff, he's maybe, you know, compared to Harrell, just – less diving to the rim and really more like, you know, picking his spots to be a, a good shooter. And, um, and it's interesting that way. Cause I don't know, you know, what other teams like I, you know, Boston's been struggling and I don't know if he's a, a fit there. I don't know teams that out East did where he could end up and whether Boston would take a swing at him just to try and maybe that bring some stability, but I don't know. I don't know if he's enough of a fit. Yeah, I was also thinking about the Raptors because their center position is really sore. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Baines has been terrible. So uh, yeah. you could play uh, like that small ball five position. Yeah, that would be interesting. The Raptors need any type of help they can get right now too. I, I also don't see uh, Aldridge fitting on the Lakers now that I think about it because they already have Anthony, Anthony Davis, who's a super uh, extreme mid-range player like that. That's yeah. his money too. So it'd be kind of redundant to play both of them at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Be, I don't think that would work at all. Really, to have both those guys out there, especially because Aldridge can't really at this point in his career, he can't do anything but score. You know, yeah. and yeah. He, yeah, that's the thing. Like the numbers for the Spurs this year with him on the floor, like their defensive numbers are just terrible. Um, and yeah, it just kind of seems like you know he's he's a big dude. He's not. He was never super mobile, and now that he's what thirty-five and a half, like he's especially uh, immobile. But yeah, I feel like there's a team like yeah, Boston could work. The Raptors, uh, the Blazers, so like those 
middle of the pack teams where he'll at least just make them more competitive in the playoffs. And honestly, like, what do you guys think about Portland? Uh, just something like they had uh, McCollum just came back, had a really good game last night, had like 32, I think, in their win over the Mavs. And the Blazers are still, they're tied with Denver for the fifth best record in the West. So what do you think about the Blazers getting Nurkic back soon too? Like you see them being uh, serious threats to any of the, the top four teams in the West. It's such a big question mark because of injuries, right? I mean, it's just, they've, they've had such trouble being consistent. I think based on that Collins is always out Nurkic coming back, but it's like what Nurkic seems to get dinged up all the time. And I, I feel like they've had trouble putting together just a straight run of having, you know, a, their whole, you know, rotation healthy and just getting into a groove. Cause I, I think you, they have to get some momentum towards the end of the year, even if their record, you know, doesn't reflect it. I think if they want to be competitive in the playoffs, they, you know, those guys need to stay healthy. I think, you know, what you're going to get out of Dame and, and CJ if he's available, but you know, behind those guys, they just, I just think they need the consistency. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see Portland as a true contender, honestly, because they always fall short in the playoffs, their guard play, it's great offensively, but defensively, they get torn up in the playoffs. Um, and they haven't made a change. I don't think Dame and CJ are going to win a championship together. So one of them's got to go. I think CJ's got to go. Dame's a man there. So he's going to be a, a Portland legend. So let him have a better supporting cast. I think like a big, you know, replace CJ with a big guy who can defend out on the wing and just kind of take some pressure off because yeah, they just two smaller guards like that. When it comes down to the playoffs, they're just going to be isolated and attacked, you know, and it's just, that's the difference in the playoffs, right? Is you're scheming for guys over seven games and just too easy to go at those guys. Right. Yeah. And I'm just looking at the teams ahead of them. Like, okay. So and the West is actually a lot closer than I remember it being, but so Portland is, six seed right now but only if the clippers lose tonight then they're tied for the four seed so i'm trying to see like what would be the best matchup for the blazers it honestly might be see if they play the clippers they have no one to guard paul george because uh mccollum's not you know they would technically be matched up but that's not fair the suns would just (laughs) chris paul would just iso whoever he wanted to death like that would be ugly we saw what he did to robert covington last year in that rocket series and obviously the lakers that's not that's just going to be a repeat of last year. The Jazz, I don't know. The Jazz have slipped a little bit since the All-Star break. That might be, honestly, the Blazers' best chance at an upset right there. Yeah, maybe kind of the the number one, it, wherever Utah falls out, but being, you know, a good team, but that doesn't have the kind of true star that way, I guess. I mean, Gobert would probably give them problems, though, in terms of the rim, but I guess out on the wing, maybe it could work. You know, I could see them beating maybe Utah, at least being competitive with them more than the other teams yeah because portland would have the best player in that series and i guess in a seven game series that goes you know that could go a long way um but okay let's go to the last guy who might get traded this is the biggest if he got traded would be the biggest uh move in of the season for sure uh kyle lowry but like we just mentioned the raptors struggling i think they've lost what like seven in a row now they're yeah they're 17 and 24 obviously most you know a lot of that is because of covid and injuries but you know with them struggling do you think yeah john do you think they would trade kyle lowry kind of similar to what we talked about dame being mr portland kyle lowry is mr toronto do you think he gets moved uh, i i think it's possible yeah because you kind of have to think about the changing of the guard uh you got fred van fleet who's locked up he just signed that big contract 
maybe you want to kind of pass that torch to him, let him be the true point guard and uh, get a return for Lowry while you still can, you know, because he's, he's only getting older. So they kind of want to have that youth movement in Toronto where maybe your two cornerstones are Van Fleet and Siakam and then go from there. So he's been linked to uh, Philadelphia who could use like a shooting point guard because Ben Simmons doesn't want to take a three-point shot. So you need sp- spacing. And uh, also the Clippers kind of have been linked to him because the Clippers, their guard play has been really sore. So I don't, I don't think the Clippers have the assets to acquire him though. I think the more logical situation uh, goes to Philadelphia where they could trade some uh, young pieces to Toronto, like Shake Milton and uh, Thibel as well. So they can get a better return from Philadelphia. And I think that Kyle Lowry's hometown is Philadelphia as well. It is, yeah. So he'd want to play there probably to end his career as well and play for a contending team. So that situation makes the most sense to me. I agree. I think it I think it makes the most sense. And I think to your point, I think it's it's time for the Raptors to move on. You know, it's I think they actually have a really great opportunity. I think they handled the Kawhi thing pretty well, given that they were, you know. They, he walked and they were, but you know, they got their championship out of it. And, and Lowry was a huge part of that. And, you know, the difference for him versus Dame is that he has that championship and he'll always, you know, have that. And it gives them almost an opportunity to part ways with him in a really amicable way, get back some assets, find the right spot for him. I know that Messiah is not going to, you know, send him to some, you know, shit team that he's not going to be happy to be there right he's going to send him somewhere he wants to be and philly just makes sense he's from there i can just see him getting so amped about being home on a team that is competitive and that kind of philly attitude and and really kind of rising to that challenge and helping that team you know get over the hump because i do think they need maybe a different voice just just to help them kind of not get recentered, but just you know someone who's got the kind of resume to be in the conversation with Embiid and Simmons and say, look, this is what you should be doing or, you know, and he, and he fills a need too, right on the court. So I, I think I'd be surprised if that's not where he ends up, if Toronto decides to move on and I don't see why they, they wouldn't at this point. Yeah. It's almost like too perfect of a fit. That's the only reason why, like I would be worried that it, it isn't going to happen is because it just all seems too perfect. Um, I guess it just depends on what the, yeah, like the details of the trade, like what Toronto would be getting back. And even there's still like a world where if Toronto gets back, like the guys, John, you mentioned, and also uh, Maxi, who's the, I think the guy, the Sixers just drafted who he looks, he's been pretty solid too uh, as a rookie, like Toronto could still compete for a play in uh, spot this season. It's not like by trading Lowry, they're just completely tanking. Like they still have good players and they still have Nick nurse. Um, but yeah, like, what would so if Lowry did get sent to Philly and Philly just lost those young guys, so no like core pieces right now, what does that do for like I think that I don't know if that puts Philly above the nets, but for me that puts them at the very least like neck and neck, I think. Um, but yeah, do you guys think that that would make them the favorites uh, in the east at least if they got Lowry? Uh, I would say I would put them number two because okay. I'm not I'm not putting anyone over the nets in the east right now especially with how James Harden's playing and waiting for KD to return and just see him at full strength again is it's going to be crazy. Um, but I think he'd definitely be an upgrade. I, I think they should do this trade if you're the Sixers because you're kind of in that championship or bust mode right now because you want to see success with Simmons and, and Embiid. Mm-hmm. 
And the point that uh, Sean brought up is they also need that uh, mentor, that veteran leadership in the locker room. And uh, Kyle Lowry is going to fill that void and he could take them to the Eastern Conference Finals, which would I would see see it as a successful uh, year for the Sixers if they had gotten to that point. I agree. I feel like Embiid always comes in with a ton of confidence. And sometimes it feels like Simmons floats through games. Sometimes he's super engaged and other times you just don't, he doesn't pop the way Embiid where you just kind of get, Embiid always is trying to go in on guys. And I feel like Lowry would be another guy like that, where even if the, I, I agree, I don't put them over the nets at any point, but if they got into a conference finals against the nets, I feel way better about that matchup with Lowry feeling like he's going to walk in and not be scared of those guys and feel like I've done this before. I've you know played in these types of games. And I think that extra, another person with that mentality maybe helps Philly just have more edge and, and at least battle with the nets. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't beat them, but they at least have a, I think a more of a puncher's chance than without. It's like, um, cause uh, Embiid and, and Simmons are both pretty young, even though it seems like they've been in the league for a while now, but yeah, Lowry's a guy who like, he'll just embrace all the, you know, the, the pressure and take it onto himself. So that will allow Simmons, especially cause yeah, like you mentioned, Sean, there are some games where it just seems like he's too cool to care. Like that's his, defense mechanism for like you know being nervous or something but yeah with Lowry there he'll take all the pressure all you know all the attention and uh yeah if they match up so let's say the Sixers get Lowry they match up with the Nets in the conference finals then you have like all offense on one end for the Nets and just all defense for the Sixers because that's with Simmons and Lowry that's like that's I think hands down the best defensive backcourt right if you consider those guys I mean I don't know what you consider Simmons but he could guard he'd probably be guarding James Harden and Lowry would be on Kyrie. And that's just, yeah, that's just, I mean, I'm excited for that series right now. Just, just and if they were able to hold on to Tybull, mm-hmm. I mean, that would be great just to have another wing just for being able to have out there and switch. And I, yeah, they just have more bodies to throw out those guys. Yep. And then the fact that you guys mentioned it, uh, Lowry is from Philly, just embodies Philly. And he actually, he went to Villanova too, which is in Philly. So that would just make the Sixers home games even more fun. Let's just say, I'm sure they'll have some fans, but it'll only be the most loudest, you know, the most Philadelphia fans in the building. And yeah, Lowry's just, a, he's just a guy that just makes playoff series more fun to watch because he's not afraid to get chippy and start, start shit with anybody. Right. Um, and yeah, Embiid yeah, is kind of the same way. Yeah, or, that's, but, um, that's been his calling card his whole career is the, that gritty hustle player that it's going to, just be annoying and take those charges that you hate in the middle of games and, you know, die for loose balls. And uh, I think the Philadelphia is missing that component and uh, he would be a perfect fit for them. So I'll honestly be kind of disappointed if that trade doesn't happen. Um, Cause I can't even think like what other teams, I guess there are other teams that Lowry would help out, but yeah, I think John, you mentioned it, the Clippers, I don't know what, what are they trading to get him? Like they don't have, they have no, like no first round picks because of the, Paul George deal and then they have no money because they paid Luke Kennard what 64 million dollars to get as many minutes per game as we do um so yeah I don't know what yeah, they, they don't have assets to do it honestly like they lost all the first round picks in the Paul George trade uh no one wants to take on that Kennard contract that they just <laughs> signed him to yeah. and Reggie Jackson has no trade value so what are you gonna yeah. give up and they don't even you know it's not even like they can try and you know use a pick plus mm-hmm. you know added to canard to get off of canard they don't they don't have any 
toss-ins to be able to help them get off them, which often happens. Like they're just stuck. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is their team that I, I think they're just going to take into the playoffs, We're, unless like a Lonzo Ball trade happens. But mm-hmm. even though I I don't even see that happening, so yeah. just gonna have to stick it out. That's the yeah. thing is that yeah, like there's Lonzo Ball to the Clipper rumors, and even that like I was thinking I don't know if the Clippers have enough to get Lonzo Ball. So if they don't have enough to get him, why how how would they have anywhere near enough to get Kyle Lowry? Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it really is the Sixers are bust at this point. Um, and I think that'd be good for the Raptors as like a sign of, you know, like a show of good faith to send him to a team where he wants to go. And then not only do they get stuff in return, but also now free agents and guys who are already on their team are more likely to want to stay there because they're like this, you know, this organization actually treats their players, uh, you know, treats them well. Um, but okay, let's go to just more like team stuff. Um, looking at the standings, I initially had this written down as what teams do we think are going to move up the most in the standings, but because everything is so, so, you know, close together, we can go what teams are going to move up or down because in the East, I think I have some teams that are more likely to move down. Um, but Sean, do you have any, what's you know one team that you think is going to, you know, either move up or down the standings before the playoffs come around? You know, in the East, I look at Indiana and wonder whether they could move up. Um, you know, I don't know really what their year has been like with Oladipo to start and then the trade and then Levert having to have surgery and being back now, like I could see them, you know, punching above their weight if they get in a little groove with Levert and feel like, okay, we've got this young guy that we traded for. He's actually starting to kind of get acclimated to our system and obviously Sabonis playing well and and Turner. I I could, I could see them moving up a couple of spots. I don't think they're going to jump, you know, high, but I could see them more solidifying themselves as a definitely playoff team versus a play in, you know, tournament team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would also depend on kind of what you're saying in terms of other teams in the East sliding, you know, cause there, it, it does feel like there's some teams there that could. Yeah. John, what do you, who do you, what team do you have in mind? Uh, as far as the East, I kind of had my eye on the Hawks because ever since they fired their coach, They've been playing really well. So their last rolling, their last ten games they've been uh, eight and two, so five and zero oh since the All Star break, I think. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm looking for them to maybe they don't hold on to the fifth seed because right now they're in the fifth seed, but I'm looking for them to at least make the playoffs. Uh, as well as I think the Bucks are going to end up as like a one seed. I see that that's, that's kind of like my bold prediction, even though they're one of the top three teams in the East. I just think with the PJ Tucker trade, uh, they might just find a way to win a couple more games that they wouldn't have regardless without yeah, having. It's only one and a half games out, so that's definitely possible. I feel like yeah, them and Brooklyn. It seems like even though Philly is still right there, they've been playing well without Embiid. But yeah, the East really is like those three teams are kind of all together, and then it's like a pretty significant drop off, right? Right. Yeah, and then. Uh, I've been keeping my eyes on the Knicks as well. I don't I don't think they're going to move up or down, but I'd like to see them make the playoffs and just stay where they are as a 500 team and have their calling card kind of be uh, that Tom Thibodeau style with defense and just grind out games. So Yeah, it's been cool to see them be competitive. And, and in that vein, kind of almost reminds you of the 90s Knicks, obviously not the star power of having, you know, Ewing or someone like that, but, you know, just – 
I don't know, the Knicks actually being relevant and, and it seems like at points they've tried to get glamour guys or real, you know, stars instead of just kind of being that gritty, hard nosed type of team. And I think, you know, it'll be fun to see the Knicks fans that have been so tortured, have a team to get behind that. Mm -hmm. It seems like New Yorkers like that kind of mentality too, right? They kind of punch you in the mouth, like keep fighting type of team too. Right. Yeah. That's who they're composed of. You know, you got gritty yeah. uh, defensive players like Alfred Payton. Like he's not, he's not going to do much offensively for you, but he can lock up when he wants to. And uh, yeah. Mitchell Robinson as well, being a great defensive center who sending shots into the stands every night. So yeah, they're a fun team to watch. Yeah. It is just the league is more fun when the Knicks are good, which is funny because I don't even think any of us were even alive when, you know, back in the eighties when the Knicks were actually legit, but it's just something about like the the garden, even on TV, like it just looks cool. And even though it's not full of fans, it still just seems like a spectacle. And yeah, it's hard not to, you know, root for the Knicks when you're watching them play because they are just not flashy and they're just, I don't know, it seems like they just play like a of entertaining brand of basketball. And obviously maybe there's still some connection to Julius Randle as an ex Laker, but yeah, he's a guy, not like a flashy name. He's just, but he's an all-star now and, you know, putting up triple doubles and doesn't matter who they play against, he's always going to be a legit option. Um, but unfortunately, I do think the Knicks might drop down a little bit just because their schedule is tough in the second half of the season. I just don't know. Yeah, yeah I think I was uh, saying the, the whole season since the beginning, like, oh, they got off to a hot start. Like, that's not going to last. <laughs> and here we are, like, midway through the season. Like, yeah. they're still holding strong. So I'm not going to bet against them anymore. <laughs> yeah. The thing It'd is be- – it would be interesting if they, you know, slid a little or held, but if they slid into those playing games, like I would not want to play New York in a single elimination, mm-hmm. you know, play in game <laughs> as one of these other teams. Cause they, you know, they're going to come at you, you know, in yeah. the defense, you know, if it's one game and they just need to get through that wall, like, man, I, I think I'd be worried about them if yeah. I were those other teams that are hoping to sneak in. Cause coach, you know, coaching wise, like who's the what you know, what coach probably, would have the best pep talk to get their team ready just to win one game. I'd probably go with, with Tibbs. And uh, if, if we could get like somehow, which actually this isn't that unrealistic. Uh, if we could get a, a Knicks versus Nets first round series, I just watched, they played recently and it was a super, super close entertaining game. Obviously no Kevin Durant, but that'd be a cool, you know, little New York battle in the first round and whoever the Knicks play in the first round, uh, it's not going to be an easy series even if you know even if they lose in five games it's it's going to be a tough uh tough five games for sure i think i'm going to go with if we're saying in the east i'll go with the raptors just because even if they lose lowry i don't see them finishing their fifth worst in the east and so just out of you know the sheer talent they have and coaching i see them moving up like all these teams are i think on the exact even level so the hawks knicks hornets celtics pacers bulls raptors like I don't think any of those teams really stands out above any other one. And the Raptors are the only team there with any championship uh, experience or anything, right? Like, I guess, yeah, even the Celtics don't have, none of those guys have really been, have even been to the finals. So I'll go with the the Raptors there. Um, the Bulls are kind of the forgotten team here, but yeah. they, they've had some really, really tough losses uh, the past week. So it seems like they're kind of cursed at this point. <laughs> I don't see I don't see them making the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think they have enough talent too. So I feel like they they might just take a dip 
or stay at the yeah. 10 or 11 and just miss miss the playoffs. Yeah. What yeah, about I, Boston? What do you guys think about Boston? Because they're at the eight seed now, but it just seems like they have too much talent to be the eight seed, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's they their struggles have been really interesting, right? I mean, part of it being it, you know, Tatum seems to just be really struggling. He keeps referencing that, you know, COVID has just sapped them of energy and you know does he get over that at a point and does that fix their problems or are there more problems there that just, you know, are being covered up by them using Tatum as the excuse right now? I don't know. It, 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 it's been interesting with their talent, how much they've struggled, but you know, I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I see the Celtics as kind of who they are. Their record is who they are. Like, they're going to be just like a 500 team, maybe slightly above 500 team. And uh, I think a lot of it can be blamed on uh, Kemba Walker's play coming back from injury. You know, he hasn't been the same player that they originally once signed him and thought he would going to be. So uh, I, don't, I don't see them making a deep run in the playoffs unless they do something big on the buyout market or, or make a trade at the deadline. Yeah. They're, a, they're another team where – like that seems like they need to make a move, but I don't know what they. They're kind of similar to the Clippers. Like I don't know what they really have in terms of assets. I guess they have their own first round picks, but those aren't that valuable because with Tatum and Brown, you're always going to be at least like in the upper half of the league. Um, but they've had so many like mid mid first round picks that just haven't become anything yet. So those aren't really assets, you know. But they're also not like they're not bad players because they're still young. So like they can't get rid of them but other teams don't really want them so it's just kind of they're in the weird like a weird in between right now i think yeah i never understood their whole rebuild process like they just wanted to stack picks and stack first round picks and and take it from good teams like oh yeah i'm going to be drafting like 16th in the first round and i'm going to get this uh player like semi ojale or something like some role player he's not going to take you over the top like what was the thought process in it seemed like they overestimated their confidence in their drafting process and they just yeah. haven't hit on those mid guys where it holding on to the picks and not cashing out on them for a, a you know just a bona fide player where you knew what you were getting it just seems like they shot themselves in the foot yeah, yeah. they definitely I, I think that's a good way to put it they they had overestimated their drafting ability because they were probably like oh we'll find the next you know Donovan Mitchell or Tyler Hero or even like Giannis was 15 I think at, you know, like 13 or 15 between there. And now instead they got Ojale, Grant Williams, uh, Romeo Langford, who I don't even, like, I couldn't, I don't even think I know who he is, but apparently. The time Lord. <laughs> yeah, Time well, Lord. He's like the best Lord. one right now. Yeah, um, yeah. But they don't play him that many minutes, which is weird. So yeah, yeah. Right. Carson Edwards too. Yo, yeah, Carson oh, yeah, Edwards. Carson Edwards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Between him and Kemba, it's just like uh, you don't, you can't yeah. have those that tiny of guards. They're great, um, uh, great March Madness guys, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the NBA, not so much. Um, yeah, so they're just kind of in a weird situation, which kind of sucks because even though you know, a Laker fan, I can't root for the Celtics, but I do want to see Tatum and Brown in you know bigger games. So maybe if they stay as the seven or eight seed, it'll at least they'll be able to give. Uh, one of these top teams, like a interesting first round matchup, but still kind of just seems like those, those wings are kind of wasting some of their prime years right now, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's go to the West. This is kind of, it might be even tougher to pick a team who I think is going to 
move up or drop. But uh, John, you want to go first? Yeah. So for the West, uh, I always have my eye on the Mavericks uh, okay. just because of how they played the Clippers in the playoffs last season. Kind of, kind of stuck in my head like how much potential this team has when they're firing on all cylinders and Luka Doncic is the alpha dog there. And Chris uh, Porzingis is finally healthy and he's bombing threes from five feet beyond the three-point line. Um, this is a fun team to watch. Um, and I think they're just going to soar up the standings. They might like end up as a five or six seed, but uh, that, that's definitely an underrated first-round matchup. You do not want to be playing the Mavericks in the first round as I witnessed last year with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. yeah that's who i had as well the mavs as my team where i was like yeah they seem to be catching a groove now i think that with luca you're always going to be in games and when the other guys are are starting to really find their role especially porzingis with his struggles and health and just kind of finding his place on this team if he can continue what he's been doing plus just luca being luca i think I think they're going to win more of those 50-50 games and and really just be able to slide up a few spots. And, and yeah, I think they're a tough, tough matchup in the playoffs for a, a team thinking they're going to get a lower seed. And, and really, at their best, the Mavs, you know, can play like a top, you know, two, three team in, in the West. So it's, they're interesting that way. And yeah, my only other team I thought of potentially could be could be Memphis. They're supposed to get Jaron Jackson Jr. back, and I don't know how much they would move up. I, I could just see them getting a little more competitive. Who knows how long it takes them to to really get back up to speed, though, and into what they're doing because he's been gone for a while, right? So I don't know. I think they're always feisty, and Jaw keeps them in games, and they have a lot of guys who play hard. But, you know, I think it would depend on how Jackson – looks and and how quickly he can get up to speed if they were going to move up a few spots yeah they've also they're a weird team because they've played like three or four fewer games than most teams just because of that whole like week or two weeks when they're i think the nba said they were parked like because of covid stuff so yeah it's kind of weird like looking at their record kind of throws Mm -hmm. you off um but they're just a super deep team they have solid guys everywhere john morant hasn't been great recently but he hasn't gotten much help either i think um Valanchunas is actually probably like their second best player, which is yeah probably not great, but yeah, I mean he's he's looked really good. So they're another team that I wonder if they might try and make a move. Um, and Valanchunas would be a guy who could get moved just because he doesn't really fit their their youth timeline. But he's also like I mentioned playing well, so they could probably get something for him. Um, okay, I think when I first started writing out this, I had the Nuggets because they were like the eight seed, but they already moved up to the five seed now, and yeah. I can see them. This is funny. There, if the playoffs started today, it would be Nuggets Clippers first round matchup, and the Clippers would not be down for that. I don't think. <laughs> um, I could see them flip flopping. They're only a half game apart, so I could see Denver jumping the Clippers. I don't know if I could see them getting much higher than that. Um, but they're just one of the most fun teams to watch. Even their defense is still pretty rough, but that just means more Jokic and Jamal Murray on offense. And Jokic is like if. I think uh, NBA.com did their their MVP ladder thing, like a new edition today, and they had Jokic first, which I don't agree with just because they're the fifth seed. But, you know, it's hard to really argue with that just because the numbers that he's putting up. Um, but I think I'll go with New Orleans just because of how low they are right now. They're the 13 seed in the West. Um, but that's, you know, tied with Sacramento, tied with OKC, one game in the win column behind Memphis. So I, 
I think I could see them moving up. I think it's gonna be like last year where they're like fighting for a playing spot. I don't know if they'll get it because their defense is like like embarrassingly bad. But you know, if you have Zion, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo, like you have talent, you shouldn't be tied with the Thunder who are blatantly tanking, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the Pelicans are kind of cursed in a way where you always think every year, yeah, they have this so much potential. They got Zion, Brandon Ingram, Monzo's gonna be better this year. And then they never do it. Like I remember last year in the bubble, we were looking at the schedule for the bubble when it first came out. And I was like, dude, the, the Pelicans have the easiest schedule in the bubble. And what they do, they they like lost most of their games and didn't even make the playoff uh, and quickly too. Like they lost like three games in a row early and we're like, Oh, well now they're eliminated. Like, why are they even here? Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I would be hard pressed to bet on the Pelicans improving that much. Cause I mean, Zion's like playing at, at pretty much peak performance right now. He's, you can't ask much more of Zion. So how are they going to improve? I, I don't see it. I've wondered about, you know, Steven Adams. It seems like they've been up and down on what his fit is like kind of clogging up the paint for, for zion you know and i think they like him personally just kind of because of what he brings similar to pj tucker just a lot of grit and and a real pro so you know i don't know if they sit on him or or whether they could kind of sell high on him if some team feels like we need size and this guy would just come in and and bang in the playoffs i don't even know that they're thinking about that though but it's it's the only asset where i'm like oh i feel like he might be overvalued for some teams that just remember all the OKC years and kind of what he brings. Right. So what do you think like the perfect fit for Zion is like, do you think Zion should just be playing that small ball five and all the lanes should be open? It seems like that's what he wants to be doing. I don't know if that is what's best. I mean, it's been interesting seeing him doing a ton of playmaking in these last little bit, right? Like how does that factor in, in terms of him being more of a ball handler and kind of initiating a lot, like can Adams fit into that a little bit more if it's just, you know, maybe he has to clear the paint a little bit when, when Zion does want to drive, but potentially, you know, it would be tough guarding Zion and being hit by an Adams screen, I guess. Yeah. That'd be (laughs) fun. Zion, Steven Adams, pick and roll. (laughs) that would just be yeah that's just the definition of weight room like yeah you know, whatever you do it's gonna hurt but <laughs> i think yeah you probably need like a like a marcus or like a miles turner like a stretch five who can you know somewhat protect the rim still but also can space out a little bit which is kind of unfortunate because there's not that many guys like that right now i don't think so yeah, yeah kind of a weird situation for for the pelicans and also eric Bledsoe is just been terrible so he's not helping their spacing he's not helping anything really for them this year yeah i don't don't see why he's like so highly regarded in the nba communities like he always disappoints wherever any situation you put him in like the bucks you thought they were gonna be good and then he just crapped in the playoffs and then you trade him to new orleans you think he's gonna be up at least oh like comparable numbers to uh drew holiday but it's not happening so He's so weird. Yeah, I remember when he was on the Clippers and he was just, you know, jacked. And I think LeBron made some comment about him being like mini LeBron or something. I feel like it just got him this. Yeah, it got him this hype that like followed him to Phoenix. And and he was just such a diva in Phoenix, (laughs) Uh, you know, acting like somehow once he got in the perfect situation, he was just going to go to that next level. Right. And it's like 
then he's been given the opportunities and it's just, it falls flat and you're just like, okay, buddy, like at this point we can get better defenders than you without the attitude. Yeah. Right. You gotta know, know your role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when he was in Phoenix, like he had tweeted something like passive aggressively. Like, yeah. I don't want to be here or something like yeah. that. He's like but you guys took it out of context. Like I was, he said he was getting a haircut or something. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Some hair salon or something. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that you knew was just total BS, and he was just, yeah, I yeah, remember that. That was terrible that year. Yeah. So. yeah, he really like his his role right now, where he would be solid on basically any team, would be coming off the bench again, like going back to where he was with the Clippers. But I mean, I'm sure he doesn't agree with that statement, especially when he got, yeah, that's the thing is the Bucks paid him a ton of money a couple of years ago, right? Or even like they paid him instead of Malcolm Brogdon, which. We were just kind of giving the Bucks credit for some nice moves, like the PJ Tucker move, but it doesn't make up for picking Bledsoe over over Brogdon. Um, but now, well, now, now it's the uh, the Pelicans' problem, I guess. What to do with Bledsoe? Yeah. I'm sure no one wants him. Though is the problem. Like, I don't think they're getting anything for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, at some point, you just have to humble yourself. It's kind of like the Reggie Jackson situation in OKC, where Reggie Jackson thought, "Yeah, I should be starting." So he goes yep. to the Pistons and, and they suck. And he's oh, yeah. Yeah. Ever. yeah, are you happy to be starting here now in Detroit? There you go, Reggie. <laughs> and yeah, it's just like, yeah, it, like you said, I think that being humbled by it, I don't, Bledsoe, maybe that comes from him, but it doesn't seem like so far it has. And I think if he wants to be part of a, a good team, you know, at the end of his career here, he, he's going to need, he's going to need to do that. Yeah. He's yeah. never been that, you know, Reggie Jackson's a great comparison because it was just, he never, he never even showed that he was, you know, worthy of all that. He really just still thinks of him that himself that way. Yeah, and and if anything, uh, he's stunting Lonzo Ball's growth because they're making Lonzo stand in the corner and just shoot spot up threes, which has kind of helped his three point shooting because he's shooting a career high right now. But still, I'd like to see Lonzo being the leader of that offense and just doing all the playmaking. Yeah, yeah, Lonzo's like not even a point guard right now. He's really just like a spot up shooter who can push the ball in transition like that's the only time he gets his assist really is in transition and that's yeah Bledsoe can't he can't shoot but he also can't shoot free throws that's the most frustrating thing like he had the game I think their last game he was 0 for 4 from the line and you're a point guard like that's just that's never a good thing especially on a team like like the Pelicans who the one thing they need is spacing with with Zion and so now they have three non-shooters on the court and that's just yeah, this isn't like this the sixties or seventies NBA anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like this they would be a, a really intimidating nineteen seventies team with Adam, Zion, and Bledsoe. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Like the bad boys. Also Zion in the seventies, like people would have just been like, Oh yeah. What? He might be out for his career might be over already. Like one crazy dunk and he might have got like thrown into the third row. Oh my gosh, yeah. Someone takes his knee out just like oh god. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we can end with just just really quick MVP stuff. Just now that I put this on here because the MVP seems like super wide open now, especially with Embiid getting injured, and I think he has to miss like at least a week. Sounds like it might even be longer. Um, but so I think we just really quick go through. We should just each pick who we think is going to end up winning the MVP. I'm sure LeBron is probably the betting favorite right now. I would imagine, but even that is not. I don't think he's like a, a heavy favorite. So I. Uh, Sean, you can go first. Who do you who do you see winning MVP when this is okay, all said? So this was kind of out there, but if KD 
continues with his injury and he misses a lot more games, you could really make a strong case for uh, James Harden. And I know what you're saying, like, oh, like he got traded off the Rockets and he's going to a team with two other stars. Like, how could he be MVP? Well, you got to think about it. Like, KD's being out and he's carrying this team uh, of basically role players. And they've been playing really well when KD's been out. Uh, they've been winning games on the road against good teams like the Lakers and the Suns. And James Harden has been super efficient, averaging uh, 25 points a game, nine rebounds, and 11 assists. Uh, basically, wherever James Harden goes, he is the offense. So this team is staying afloat only because of him, I would say. So that makes him a strong candidate for MVP, as well as if they continue to stay in the top one or two seed, then you can really make that case for James Harden. I also like Embiid, but uh, I'm going to go with James Harden right now. And I saw a stat the other day that said out of the 65 MVPs in the NBA history, 48 of them had been the number one seed in their conference. So that gives you a 74% chance of winning MVP if your team is the one seed. So the Nets have a really high chance of getting that one seed in the East. So uh, I, I'm going to go with James Harden. Yeah. Sean, what do you think? Before you say your guy, what do you think about Harden possibly winning it? Like, do you think people would vote for him after his, uh, his, his hot boy summer? <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think they would. I think just because of how exceptional he's been, he was on my list too as just being a sleeper one, but for a lot of the same reasons. Just, you know, I think that probably the ending in Houston left a bitter taste in some people's mouths, but he also has landed in terms of, you know, presumably from what you're hearing, being a really good teammate in Brooklyn. And that's because he, you know, it's where he wants to be. So it makes sense. And I think that people are starting to maybe care less about him and guys generally kind of forcing their way out. I mean, it was, it was bitter with Houston, but I think that it's viewed through the lens that it's kind of how these guys need to get stuff done when they want to move on to a new team. And, you know, it definitely for me is a little bit like, ah, like, can you vote for a guy who like, you know, did that to team at the start? But I mean, it's hard to argue with the numbers in in Brooklyn and, and he has them competitive and, and that seems to be the barometer for what really, puts guys into contention for it is being a good team and he has carried them and i mean he finished third last year second the year before that and then he won it in 2018 and before that he was the runner-up and it's like he's in contention for this he is the offense wherever he goes like john said and it's it's hard to argue with him you know having a near number one right now you know close to the number one and and just everything going through him and if it continues that way yeah i it, i think it would be hard to argue i can see the movement going that way um yeah. i think probably the the main threat to that presuming that he goes on that run i mean Jokic and Embiid both you know in the mix for that i see Embiid as being more out front for that if he can get back on track and mm-hmm. healthy but i do think it seems to me that this kind of narrative around lebron might just bring it home with some of these writers who really just buy into some of that stuff a little bit more than I mean, I think it's a little BS, the whole notion that he should have won all these MVPs all these years. I mean, I, I agree that he's been the best player in the league or close to it for a lot of his career, but I don't know if that's what the, the award really is supposed to measure. Um, and But I think that there's enough support behind it. And his team is good. His stats are good. And so, you know, 
I can see it going the way of LeBron. I, th- I, I think that's the way it's going to play out as long as the Lakers stay strong. And it seems like he's, you know, doing through his, how he likes to do kind of pushing his messaging out that, you know, he's bringing it this second half. And if that proves to be true, then, you know, he at least, uh, you know, I think he has the narrative in his favor as long as the Lakers continue to be good. I think Harden's narrative is more compelling in terms of something new. Mm-hmm. And if they really, I think it's Harden's to lose if he continues on the path he's been, like John said, Durant continues to stay hurt and and the Nets uh, continue to be competitive. It's kind of funny. If you just took out like all, you know how people do blind resumes, right? Where you take out the name and you just put up the stats and everything. I think there'd be two guys Harden and then Giannis also like if there wasn't the entire the whole backstory and like yeah oh, we can't give Giannis the you know, a third MVP in a row because that puts him in the same class as like Bill you know uh Bill Russell or like Will like all those guys whoever yeah. three guys who have done it Larry Bird um and then Harden like we can't give it to him because of the way he forced his way out of Houston but if you look at both their numbers and their where their teams are in the standings where they could finish you like a normal year it's like oh like that guy's obviously the MVP or one or two uh, in whatever order, but it just seems like the the narratives this year, are, you know, kind of might have too much of a of a sway over who ends up getting it. Um, but yeah, I think it does seem like everything's lining up for LeBron right now. Like, especially if the Lakers stay as the two seed, his numbers are obviously going to be what they always are, right? Like twenty six, eight and eight, and then pretty good percentages all around. And yeah, it just does seem like people. I don't know what they want to make up for last year it's always seems like the mvp has a lot to do with the year before right like Giannis gets it flames out in the playoffs the lakers basically cruise to a championship and lebron is obviously ridiculous uh in that run so people are like oh i can't believe i voted for Giannis last year i have to make up for it by voting for lebron this year but yeah it's kind of the chalk pick but that's who i think will end up getting it um i'm kind of surprised that you guys wouldn't uh Pick Embiid, actually, just because Embiid's having a career year and the team success yeah. behind it as well. But like, if I wasn't going to pick Harden, I would go with Embiid because Embiid is just putting up nasty numbers, like 42% from the three-point three point line. That's a career high. He's averaging 30 points a game. That's a career high. And he, as of recently, he's been able to stay healthy. You know, it's kind of sad that he had that injury a, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. But, uh, I'm glad it wasn't anything more serious, but yeah, Embiid really has a strong case in my eyes as well. Yeah, me too. I think in terms of play, just if you're looking at what he's doing, feels like it's Embiid and really that it's kind of these other storylines that have overshadowed what he's done. And then one knee injury after he's been healthy and all of a sudden everybody just assumes that that means he's going to be out of contention. And it, you know, that's definitely not the case. If he gets back to where he was and, and let's say, Brooklyn takes a bit of a slide and LeBron just kind of stays where he is and isn't having some really dominant second half. I mean, I do think, I think it's his to win in that vein. Yeah. He's and certainly is the most deserving in my eye in terms of just play. Yeah. I should, I should clarify that. Like I think Embiid should win it right now, but I think like, yeah, the narratives and then also just, yeah, the fact, I think it is with him, like now that he got injured, obviously it wasn't the worst injury, but it looked really bad. Yeah. And just with his injury history, like maybe I'm just expecting that not to be the end. Like it's not just going to be a, a one week thing. Right. So I think he might end up missing too many games. I think he has to miss at least like close to 10 with this injury at, at least. So 
in an already shortened season. Like if he has to miss another whatever five or ten, then that's you know, I don't know. Those start adding up. But uh I would vote for Embiid right now. Like if if you know if we had to vote right now, definitely. I don't even think it's that close actually. Like if we had to do it right now, number one seed, best numbers, and those those uh, shooting percentage numbers are ridiculous. Like I I had to look at them again because I forgot that he was he's basically like. 50 40 almost 90 as a seven footer <laughs> yeah crazy yeah it is. Cool. yeah um so hopefully he comes back healthy and i just i mean that injury looks so bad and that's i guess i'm just kind of worried about that like someone of his size too we've seen we've seen like you know big athletic dudes especially this year like ad and anthony davis and now Embiid. we've seen them all have uh leg injuries and uh, AD and and KD both their their uh, return time has gotten pushed back like double what it was supposed to be. So that I don't know. I guess I'm being pessimistic about Embiid, but hopefully I'm wrong because that'd be cool to see him win win uh, MVP for sure. Yeah, if you even look at that injury and just look at the tape, the way his uh, knee kind of buckles, kind of reminds you of, like maybe some ACL injury or something. Yeah. Like that. So that's what I was afraid of when I first saw the tape. So I'm really glad that it's nothing like more serious as of what we know today yeah i was scared about that yeah same thing atl what did they say it was just like a knee uh yeah bruise yeah i think that's what they said that sounds way less bad than yeah torn acl but it did look like honestly the second it happened it's like oh yep acl he's out for this year and you know yeah just with him like the injuries he is kind of similar to ad where they're just so big and they're usually so athletic but like sometimes you know they just get bumped a little bit while they're in the air or moving a little bit too fast. And they just have some of the worst looking falls and they're not always injuries, but they just, every time they fall, it's like, Oh no, he's yeah. never playing again. Like, Oh God, no, for sure. And with how his career started with the injuries and just, he had a back, I mean, out the gate, he had a back injury and you're just like, this can't work for a big guy. I mean, that's why when I saw his knee and it looked like an ACL, I was like, Oh God, no. Cause I mean, it seems like he's putting the work to get his body stronger and do what he needs to. I mean, I haven't heard like any, you know, long form stories about his transformation or any type of stuff like that, but it just seems like he's found a way to stay healthy and it would have been a bummer to see him go out with the year he's having and kind of the path it's been for him to get to being able to be consistently on the court. Yeah. Especially yeah, this year he has, this looks like the best shape he's ever been in for sure. Um, But okay. So that's, that's three or three or four guys. And there's also, yeah, like Jokic is kind of lurking right there. Even Dame Lillard will never actually win it, but I mean, I feel like he has such a good case, which sucks for him, but that's kind of just on brand for him. Right. Like, yeah, he's the, the always underrated or overlooked guy, not underrated, but just overlooked. And that's kind of, that's his, that's his brand for sure. But I mean, you can make an argument. Like if you took him off the Blazers, what they're like the third worst record in the league, like they're right there with like the Pistons probably. <laughs> yeah that's the thing with uh you know the mvp voting is like the voters take a lot of consideration into the team success mm-hmm. yeah. the blazers are never really going to be a one two three seed they're yeah. always that middle of the pack team and uh so that's really hurts lillard's case that's why i, I don't think he'll ever win one in his uh career even though he's putting out outstanding numbers this year yeah yeah i could see some top three finishes for him really as a as a nod of respect for what he's doing, but I, I just don't see him ever getting over the hump that way because of the team record and how much it's factored in. 
Yeah. And that's not like, you know, that's not a slight to him or anything. It's just, there's so many good players in the league that it's, you know, it's, it's good that he's even mentioned with some of these other guys, like, you know, a guy coming from wherever, whatever school he went to Weber straight Weber state, like, yeah, for him to even be getting like mentioned in MVP conversations is still, that's like probably more than he expected even. Um, so for uh, Jokic, because I feel like he actually has a somewhat realistic chance to win it. And the Nuggets are five seed, but half a game out of four and uh, three games out of the two seed. How how high do you think they have to finish for for Jokic to actually have a chance to to uh, to win the award? I don't know. I I think they would really have to rise. You know, I do think to John's point earlier. I mean, that one or two seed mm-hmm. combined with your personal success seems to be the the right mix for actually getting it done for mvp and i just don't know if they're going to be able to take that big of a jump i think it maybe if he got to three and he just played so exceptional maybe you could squeak in but i you know i i I think that'd be tough yeah yeah i don't don't really see them being like a one or two seed so i think that kind of takes them out of it even though the numbers are there like you can make the case just numbers wise um but like let's say hypothetically they do finish as the first seed, I think you'd have to pick him as the MVP, just because yeah. he has that whole resume there, whole yep. team success, the whole numbers, um, the progression, it's all there. I mean, I would like to see him get better as a defender, because he's not he's averaging like half a block a game, and that's supposed to be a rim protector. Like you could make a case there, you know, Embiid has him beat defensively easily, so. Uh, I don't think that's who he is, though, as a player. Like, he's not an athletic big. He's more of a cerebral big who's going to make those great passes when the uh, defenders aren't looking, when the cutters go into the lane, get those easy layups. So, but, yeah, he definitely has a case, and I think he'll finish uh, top three. Yeah, he should. I think if he gets the two seed, if they get if the Nuggets get the two seed, I think then it becomes really interesting. But that's that's tough. They have to, you know, have to make up three games on – the Lakers, Suns, and Clippers, and those are three really, really good teams. So I don't see it happening. But yeah, the numbers are there. Like for Jokic, it's like we were just talking about Embiid's numbers. They're, I mean, they're really not that different, right? Like obviously a couple fewer points, but way more assists. Obviously, he's not anywhere near Embiid on defense, but the shooting percentages are they look fake. Like he's a center shooting 57% from the field and 42% from three but also averaging nine assists. Like, it's just weird. Like, he puts up point guard numbers, but he's a center. So, yeah. And there's just way too many good players in the league right now. Like, that's – how many guys did we talk about just now? Like, six or – Yeah. Talk about, like, Curry. Uh, Luca. we didn't even mention. And, obviously, we know he's, like, an MVP caliber player. So, I guess it just shows the, uh, the depth, like, at the top of the league this year. Yeah, it also uh, states on, like, the current culture of the NBA where it's so offensive oriented, mm-hmm. you're going to have like a bunch of players putting up crazy stats and you're just going to have a whole list to pick up from. <laughs> yeah. This guy's averaging a triple level. This guy's shooting over 40% from three and 60% overall. Like they're going to have crazy numbers and this is just how the NBA is now. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It's yeah. It, you, you have to take it in context as to where it is. Cause I think pointing to the stats, the way people like to, mm-hmm. it's like, there's lots of guys with those crazy stats that you can point to. If you want to make the case for someone, you kind of can, right? And depending on who's doing it, they like to include guys that maybe otherwise wouldn't if they were adjusted for, you know, pace of play. Right. 
Yeah, and the fact that teams just aren't really playing defense yeah. this year. Yeah, there's no like no one wants to try because there's no fans. Um, <laughs> but I do okay. think that's why the Embiid, you know, Embiid versus Jokic. I mean, I think a lot would have to break Jokic's way because Embiid really is one of the few guys there that really is a defensive force, mm-hmm. you know, and it that may that could be the differentiator between the two if it if it somehow came down to the two of them if denver rose in the west and and philly continued to be really good that's true Embiid's really the only guy out of all the guys we just mentioned who is a really good defender let alone even like an above average defender right now because harden dame Jokic, uh lebron i guess is playing pretty well on defense this year but he's still like you know He's not on Embiid's level. So that's a good point, actually, to to keep in mind for all the voters out there who are obviously listening. Um, <laughs> but all right, we could uh, we'll wrap up this episode yeah. there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ball to You Fall podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please like, rate, subscribe, follow, download, all the above. Uh, we're Honestly, we're going to keep releasing episodes, even if you guys don't do any of the above. But It'll just make us feel better about ourselves if we see that people are listening and, you know, downloading and basically just enjoying the episodes. So be a nice person today. Uh, Please spread the word. Uh, The world needs more nice people out there. So just search Ball Till You Fall podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts out there. Again, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next episode.